Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am Joe Masato, joined by Joel Lorenzi. Joel, you're back home, but not for too long. The Thunder is back on Tuesday night in Oklahoma City for a quick game before heading back out on the road. Joel, just, uh, well, first off, where are my manners? How are you doing today? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Be a gentleman. I'm, I'm good, Joe. It's good to see you, bro. Feel like, yo, it feels like we've been gone a while. It does feel like we've been gone a while. The Thunder has uh, has been gone a while, too. The The trip started out in L.A., a mm-hmm. loss to the Lakers, a loss to the Clippers. Um, but the Thunder, as they've done all season, avoided what would have been a three-game losing streak. Not only did they beat the Jazz in their next game, but they got a big win over the Timberwolves on Saturday in a game where, honestly, I didn't think the Thunder mm-hmm. played all that well. Um, but that was a big win when you look at the West standings. I don't think the Thunder thought they played all that well. I mean, they know the number they shot at the end, 39.5%. Um, they referenced it. They acknowledged it when it was brought up to them in post game. Like, they know they, they shot um, poorly. But I think, uh, in turn, they, they recognize, like, a game like that. One, you're, you're playing the league's best defense. Two, um, when you can shoot like that in a game where, you know, Against the league's best defense, some of that is understandable. Other other parts of it are like you fell apart at times. When they can look at that in totality, um, or when they do look at it in totality, they say, well, um, not only do we get better, but um, we probably we revealed some of our weaknesses and, and still came out with a win like that. I think between that and beating Utah, which was at the time the, the league's hottest team, um, they made up for, you know, any grievances in L.A. Like in L.A., I think. Uh, people were like the world was was crashing and um, Shea was not himself. And, um, you know, some of the stuff in the Laker game was more revelatory than anything. And and in the, the Clippers game was like PG just took off. Like, I don't think anybody's taken off mm-hmm. against them all year. Like there were some really there were some 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 real smearings on, on their season in that L.A. that L.A. stint. And um, I, I think they just made up for it on, on the back half. And especially the, the Minnesota win, like, um, we we have to frame that relative to their season. Like, that's a really good – it was a nasty, nasty win. It was ugly. It was nasty. It was all that. But it was a it was a really good win. And now they're like a half game back from the first seed. Yeah, and with, with some winnable games coming up, uh, mentioned Minnesota – that's Chet's obviously from Minneapolis. You went to good old Minnehaha Academy, one of the best name academies really in the United States, if you think about it. Um, yeah. How was how was the jersey retirement? Um, what did you think of Thunder players etiquette to just walk across the baseline as a game was going on? And did you do the same? Um, yes, did the same. I thought that I think that's fine etiquette. One, the game was out of reach. That that team was up like ten already. They were cheering on like the reserves that were in the game, banking threes. Like it was fine. Like that game, that wasn't a uh, that game wasn't a barn burner. Plus, you got to think. I mean, the way people were moving, I think almost half that gym, if not most of that gym, was there to see Chet pull up anyway. Now, yeah, for them to see the entire, basically the entire team pull up, um, was like a, a benefit. I mean, dude. That game is going on, and I, I think Chet was one of the few who really had their eyes locked on the game. Like, Chet, Chet is just a ball enjoyer, so I think he just likes seeing people play. Um, but, like, people were really 
watching them instead of the game. Like, and you can see it was kind of funny, like in between, like when it would be a dead ball, like people would just instantly deadpan to them. Um, so it was just, I mean, I, I got to imagine it for a kid it's crazy. Like you just, you see a entire pro team just in the gym. And um, I mean, for Chet, it was, it, you could tell it was special for him. I mean, that's a dude who um, he's young and it's, it's his, technically his first season. But we've already learned enough about him to know, like, stuff like this, he doesn't really, he doesn't try to put to the forefront. He's not putting it in perspective, I think. Um, and for a night, he kind of got to enjoy his own success and whatnot to this point, um, which is something that he doesn't really talk about and from from what it seems like doesn't really like talking about. Um, and so it was just cool to see him, you know, the fruits of his labor. I mean, that dude is a legendary. Like, you could tell he's far enough removed that there's a gap. Um, between him and the next generation, so they're like calling him sir. It's, it's really, it's really weird for a twenty-one-year-old. It is weird, and not only all the players were there, but you know, a lot of the Thunder staff and front office and oh, yeah, trainers. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was. They were. They were deep in there. It was. It was interesting, and and I mean, this is a uh, kind of like their thing now. I mean, they did the same thing for Kenrich, Kenrich and Waco, yeah. and and that was two hours away, which was even more impressive, I think. Yeah, I wonder who's next here. Um, we've had all sorts of Jersey-related things. Kenrich, Chet, Michael Cage out here missing games to get his jersey retired at San Diego State. So um, yeah. we we will see who's next. Speaking of Minnesota, I don't know if you saw last night, but the Timberwolves lost to the Hornets of Charlotte in a game in which Carl Anthony Towns had 62 points. I'm mentioning this because obviously this directly affects the Thunder and the race in the West. Chris Finch was not happy after the game, basically called the Timberwolves immature. And Edwards afterwards said, yeah, we're, you know, just trying to um, get Cat the ball, which was obvious. Um, But it kind of was a celebration that turned into disaster. So what would you think about Minnesota? One, I think their post games are getting really, really interesting. Like their their locker room stuff, Finch, um, especially Ant Edwards. Like that is an interesting dude to talk to. Um, if 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 Thunder fans don't remember because it was just so long ago, the other night, um, after Shea, I think went twelve for thirteen from the free throw line, did his thing in the fourth quarter, rah rah rah, they won that game. Um, Ant, you know, was asked, I think, just about the challenges of of defending Shea. And he was just like, it's tough to defend him when he's getting calls like that and stuff like that. And, and that that basically sparked World War Three. Like this, like there's genuine beef now between if there hadn't been already the Thunder and, and Wolves fan bases. And then yesterday, um, John Krasinski, um, who's who's great, was just talking to Ant and and you know, kind of insinuating that like, yo, like did the cat thing, like were y'all chasing that? And he not only did he admit it. He was like, yeah, immature. He was, <laughs> he was keeping it a bean, which I respect. But uh, no, like their post game is super interesting. Even like you said, Finch was like, yeah, it's super immature. Like he was hot. He was pissed. And and you could tell like as that game went on, like they're trying to chase. And I think in John's story, they kind of mentioned that they were keeping up with MB because MB dropped 70. Mm-hmm. I mean, keeping up with MB throughout the game. I think at halftime they saw what he had. And so they wanted to go out and get more. Um, and so, yeah, obviously, um, you can call that what you want. I'm not going to deny Finch's 
immature uh, label, right? But it's just interesting considering the the heat of the West race and and everything that goes into that game. And of course, you you lose to the Hornets, bro. And now the Thunder are in prime position to to you know take first. And Mark Degno, um is living his dream. He's in prime position to to be the coach of the the West All Stars. I think that would be more of a nightmare than a dream for Mark Dagnall. I mean, I think he obviously wants to have the best record, but he probably wants to be home with his wife and kids during All-Star break. It's not a dream? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I I think he really wants to uh, – you don't think he want to coach KD? Luca? I just think – Oh, him and Luca would be a ball, huh? It's, a, it's an honor, obviously, for all those guys, but the season's long, man. Everyone everyone needs a break, but no, – I know Mark is a uh, well. Mark Mark likes to say to himself, "I imagine he values family time over there." But how fun would that be to see Mark using challenges in the All Star game and all that? I I think that's what people are pushing for more than anything. I don't know how much people actually. That's like a hidden agenda, low key on Thunder Twitter right now. Yeah, no, it it would be it'd be cool to see. And just to wrap it up on on Minnesota. For as good of a story as they are on the court, there's there's just weird things that have happened, even dating back to last year. Obviously, you had the Gobert punch. You've had yeah. Aunt Edwards' comments about kind of the, the spacing with the two bigs going back to the beginning of last season. You had the McDaniels punch. Um, Finch is kind of aggressive with his comments in postgame. It's just like stuff that you maybe should just listen. I'm all for the good quotes, but um, change of pop, man. Yeah, Mark Dignall would not. He does not send messages via the post game podium. Um, but also, I, Mark Dignall and the Thunder, in terms of the way they present themselves, it's probably more Disney than the rest of the league, right? They they wouldn't show you their hand ever if they were if they thought something the team did was immature. Oh, sure. I I mean, we hear about stuff going on with other teams because it enters the public eye and obviously stuff goes on in the Thunder's locker room that we just don't really know about. Um, yeah. Embiid, 70 points. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and by the way, on the Timberwolves, before we move on for that, there, I think last night is just an indication. Like there are still like, if you want to look at their ceiling, there are still unserious parts about their ceiling. Like as great as the defense has been, the offense is clearly still questionable at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much of that has to do with, you know, the bigs. I think it's just uh, a lot of inconsistency. Um, and to that point, I mean, I imagine um, it comes with a game like that where Cat has 60-something. But Ant, um, by the end of the third, I think this was his stat line. It was, it was not great. He, I, I think he had – I don't think he had scored. It was something. I, I saw a screenshot on that one app people keep using. It's a really nasty app. I can't name it. I can't name the app. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, but people post screenshots of people's stat lines all the time, and his was gross, either halfway through that game or mm-hmm. three quarters through that game. And so, like, their their offense is questionable, man. Now, I won't go as far to say, like, I, I know people wanted to spark that conversation about Ant versus who, um, like, Ant versus Dub uh, after that win. But, like, like come on, let's pump the brakes. Um, but the Timberwolves are, like, relatively unserious now. What would a playoff series look like against the Thunder? I don't know, but there are I, I I mean I'm not as willing to to jump on their train as far as like Western Conference contenders as as other people, right? And I think um 
while last night is a one game sample, like it, it's just uh, one of those indications of, you know, at, at the heart of them, how unserious they can be. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like we've seen them be a matchup problem for Denver, especially. And I think that raises their postseason outlook, knowing that you have to get through Denver, um, but they could get, you know, tripped up before then. So who knows? Um, real quick, before we get to the main event of today, Joel Embiid, after his 70 point game, is now averaging 36.1 points per game, which he's leading the NBA in scoring for the third consecutive season. Um, He also has 11.6 rebounds, 5.9 assists, um, 1.9 blocks per game, 1.2 steals per game. He's just been incredible. And Shea's been incredible too, but as far as the MVP race goes, yeah, I think Joel Embiid was leading before last night, and not that it's like over or even close to over after uh, last night. It, it would take it's a just, lot. It's an uphill well, it's battle. Just like a, it's another notch in Embiid's favor because um, his, his numbers are just out of this world. 30, 36, first of all, let's put this in context. 36 is unreal. I mean, we're talking about like Mike's best scoring season back in the day. We're talking about like this is like prime – I think Prime James Harden was was averaging around 36, and that's like constant high ball screen, constant ISO, unreal all-time usage. Um, like those Harden days, like Harden ball was what it was. Like I don't have to define Harden ball, mm-hmm. and, and he was getting around 36 per game. Now, obviously, that came with the season where he's getting like 50-point triple-doubles and 40-point triple-doubles like on a regular, but like, for Embiid to do it the way he's doing it, like that dude is just so consistent, so dominant. Like, and I'm I'm so afraid that when we look back on his career, that you know, I, I part of me wants him to make a postseason leap already, man. I mean, he really has to, but part of me wants him to because I'm concerned about the way we'll talk about him ten years from now if he doesn't, man. Because the stuff he does in the regular season is unreal. I mean, this is a this is an all-time season, bro. And and even last night, I'm seeing people talk about, oh yeah, he had he had 21 free throws. Of course, like bro, he had 70 points. You're a dweeb if you're talking about his free throws, bro. He didn't shoot 40 free throws. He 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 hit 21 of 23 free throws. That's 70 points. I don't know how you. I don't know how people can still talk about him the way they talk about him, bro. He's unreal. I really want them to to make some sort of push at the deadline because while I like the supporting cast around him. I do think there has to be a shift in either. Well, I don't know that they can get a, a you know, a sufficient number two for a championship run. I think Tyrese Max is going to have to do, but like some type of number three that isn't Tobias Harris. Like, I think they can be for real, and I'm really, I'm really behind and beat at at this point, and I'm really scared of you know what the all time discourse might be if he doesn't do something this year. Yeah, and it would be back to back MVPs for him. Um... 5.9 assists per game too. That's his, you know, his career high before this year was last year and the year before he had 4.2 assists per game. He's almost doubled that. So it, it's, it's crazy what he's doing. Um, another conversation I've heard people talk about a little bit. You look back at the 2022 NBA draft and I think you can make the argument that the Thunder came away with two of the top three players in that draft. I want to put that to the test though. So, um, <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? Well, 
because you being a uh, the idea of you being like a, a Jonathan Gavoni is is funny, but um, also, I'm not trying to be John. Listen, I'm not. I thought it was. I, I giggled in my head, Joe. Maybe it came out. It came out. I, I'm admittedly body, not a draft expert. I'm actually writing a column about this for you. I'm not either. Yeah. Um, but it's easier for me to uh, to to slot guys in after seeing a year and a half of data rather than um, watching them in college or overseas or in the G League. So, yeah. um, listen, but I do. I do think. Uh, Redrafts after a year, after two, after redrafts are almost always too soon when people do them, which which is the case now. But I'll entertain this because I think um, that the lottery has such interesting results that people can talk about them now. Yeah, so um, it is too soon, but we're going to have some fun. Joel. Don't we always? We, we always. Do you, do you want the number one pick? Do I want the number one pick? Yes, I'll t- I'll take the number one pick. No, 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 okay. I don't want the number. No, you take it. You take it. You take it. Okay, I'm gonna make things easy here. Um, so the Orlando Magic, the number one pick, their actual pick, Paolo Bencaro. Um, wait, okay, wait, this- are we basing this straight off best player or fit to the team or? See, I struggled with that a little bit. It's a little if we're doing fit for the team. I think we're doing too much thinking. Yeah, it, it it's a little bit of both here because it's like knowing what they have now and sort of who fits their team. Also, let's just say these teams right now could get a redo if they wanted. Um, my defense, uh, I, I'll announce my pick. Wait, did I did I already do that? They're you picking did. Paolo if they have a redraft. Right. If if Orlando calls Oklahoma City and says Paolo for Chet, the Thunder says no. If the Thunder calls Orlando and offers Chet for Paolo, the Magic say no. Like, both teams are more than happy with, with that. Um, I think Paolo was a, was a really solid pick. In year two, he's averaging 22.6 points, 7.1 rebounds. Shooting numbers are up. He's a borderline all-star. Uh, and I think that's a pretty easy Dude. one. He's a good player, man. I know, I know we want to do well. Paulo versus Dub and Paulo versus Chad and, uh, you know, the exhausting conversations. But he's a, he's their cornerstone, man. Um, he's among that core group. Um, and the way they're built, like, they needed a, a high-usage guy like that on the wing um, mm-hmm. who does what he does, bro, and he's only getting better. Um, him and Chad are vastly different players. And, and that's okay because, you know, I, with my second pick, um, I'll take Chet because, like, you, kind of what you said – um, yeah. He just makes sense for the Thunder, bro. Um, even in 15-point, 10-point uh, games, whatever, the defensive end is is something um, we measure. And even though it's harder to measure, I think Chet, it's safe to say Chet is doing historically great rookie things on the defensive end. Um, and he fills that gap for the Thunder. Like, the Thunder already have their, their number one option in Shea, um, who is among the best scorers, whatever way he gets to it. Um, in the world, um, you got a great secondary wing score and, and dub, and then you have your third scoring option and defensive anchor and Chet. It's it's just a seamless fit. Um, I don't think any other pick makes sense. I think those are the two easiest picks. Our board is the same. Well done to Jeff Weltman and Sam Presti because I I think they nailed <laughs> it. Um, 
with my pick at number three for the Houston Rockets, their actual pick was Jabari Smith Jr. In a redraft, I think they picked Dub. I'm going with Jalen Williams here at mm. number three. Um, obviously, the Thunder's pick at number 12. I, I really like Jabari, by the way. Um, 6'11", 3 and D guy, um, shooting it a lot better this season. But and he's a, he's two years younger also than than J Dub, but the way I look at it, mm. Jabari is going to get better. But in two years now, is he going to be where J Dub is now? Maybe, but I think it's unlikely. So we we know what J Dub is. I think he's got a higher ceiling because what what he can do with the ball, creating for others. You know, Jabari is more of a guy that that needs someone else out there to create for him. So. Um, I think uh, Dub is just more dynamic. Yeah, and and people don't talk about this. Jabari's handle has gotten better, admittedly, um, and his game has gotten better. But people coming out, the most flawed thing about the KD comparisons was like, dude, their handles are not comparable, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, their ability to create for themselves is not comparable. And the the way you see the Rockets now, like, like obviously Jabari is a pivotal piece. I imagine if they were to have Dub, like somebody would be there to fill that spot. Maybe Tari Eason has a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of different players, um, but each like are tasked with like heavy defensive assignments. But like if they had Dub, I imagine um, the burden they feel with Jalen Green's like regression. I don't even know if you can call it regression because I don't know that he was ever super great in his short career. But like the the things people hate about Jalen Green, like I imagine they would be slobbering over with with j-dub like he's just yeah. a great wing scorer secondary guy um and on that team i mean like shane goon is their guy um uh, but they could play through dub a lot more probably than the thunder plays through dub i mean it would just it would be like all the things we fantasize about dub like oh could he be you know so-and-so for the for another team could he be an all-star for another team like i, I think he would see like he gets great usage on this team but i think he would have some even better opportunities on that team and and it would uh, you know, relieve some of the burden people feel with, with Jalen Gray now. So great pick, Joe. Would that be three on your board? Yes, he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. So number four pick, Sacramento Kings. Their actual pick was Keegan Murray. What say you, Joel? I'm sticking with Keegan. Um, yeah, me too. Under underrated uh, 50 ball he had this year. Um, he's just a he's a great starter level player uh, i think he'll continue to be a valuable starter for a real long time just a, a quality pick nothing crazy um but hard to go wrong with keegan man i think um i think that's kind of the way like people who were high on keegan looked at him coming coming in i don't know that people ever were banking on his star potential but um the very high floor type deal like i think that was his deal and, and he's come through man like he's a Great shooter, um, has done good things for them already in, in what was a, a playoff run last year, and, and he'll continue to be a quality starter for a playoff-level team. So that's that's worth the top five pick, I think. Yeah. I think that is well said. Uh, just to uh, speed this up a bit, because you know me, Joel, I've got I've to go pretty soon. The Detroit Pistons. I thought this one was interesting. So their actual pick is Jay Nivey. But in this redraft, I'm going to go Jabari Smith Jr. I think you have to factor in the staff here and the personnel and whatever. I think the staff, yo, we could be talking about Ivy in a whole different light if he went to 
No, I I, I, I understand. I understand. I am factoring. Not like that I'm saying in. I'm picking Jaden Ivy, but I'm I'm, like, I'm just saying they've mismanaged him. Like Monty Williams' comments have been perplexing. Like I have no idea what's been going on. I just look at it. Detroit has no shooting around Cade Cunningham. Um, I think you could unlock Cade if you put a guy like Jabari next to him. I think that'd be even a better fit than Ivy. So, yeah, maybe maybe Jaden Ivy does have more upside, but I'm going to go Jabari here, which means Jaden Ivy is still on the board as we move to the number six pick. The Pacers are on the clock, Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is tough because now now you're getting to the, the range where it's like you're betting on people want anything. Yeah. Um, it's it's falling off a little bit. Still exciting guys, but like not sure things. Yeah. And I last year I would have said Benedict Mather surefire. But now I don't know, man. He's he's inconsistent. But then you're starting to see glimpses of his ceiling, what he might be in his league. Um, which was like uh sometimes the ball's in his hands and you wish it's not. Um he's like a high, relatively high volume scorer, I think. Yeah. Um I just don't know that it always um, looks so pretty. Um, I don't know, man, because part of me wants to say, like. Your your clock is almost up. you got to make this decision. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm really high on Tariq Eason, but I think they got a guy in Jarrett Walker already who who makes sense at, like, that kind of swing, power forward spot, um, who they mismanage currently. Um, so I'm going to just stick with Benedict Mather, man. Okay. I, I thought I thought you might go Ivy there. I uh I also said Matherin. Uh I, I think, you know, they're happy with that. You know, he's I the Pacers need all the help they can get defensively. And that was Matherin's whole thing coming out of the draft, even though like he's flashed more as a scorer, but as a six six wing, he still can help more on that end than than Ivy can as a smaller guard. So um yeah. Part, like part of me really wanted to go Tari Eason there, but I am considering that they have Jarris Walker. Who are mismanaging? Who could be great on both ends for them? With the seventh pick, I am selecting for the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> who selected Shade and Sharp. And you know what, Joel? I'm 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 letting I, I'm I'm staying with Portland's pick. I'm staying with Shade and Sharp here. I think you're a great thinker, Joe. We've <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've seen so little of him he was the mystery man coming out of the draft yeah he flashed some really exciting stuff last year his role has expanded this year his efficiency has gone off a cliff now he's hurt i still think it's way too soon to to know what shade and sharp is and maybe i would have gone ivy here but now in hindsight knowing that they get scoot i would rather have the wing and and sharp so i'm staying with that yeah, who are we on? The Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans at number eight. They picked Dyson Daniels. Right, right, right. Um, this is interesting. I'm thinking between Jalen Dern and Tari Eason again. I'm clearly a big Tari Eason guy. There's probably somebody back lottery that I'm missing now. Okay. Um. So this is going to be some forward thinking. I'm going to say. Tari Eason. I, I don't want to say Jaden Ivey only because I don't want this. Um, I don't want to make a star bet on the team with the with the Pelicans with what the Pelicans got going on right now. I don't think they're in position to make a star bet. Like that would be cool for them, but like I don't think Jaden Ivey 
as a semi-star, fringe all-star, whatever, whatever his ceiling might be, moves the needle. Um, I think they need a clear, like, with, you know, Zion's issues and, and B.I.'s, maybe maybe we're seeing his ceiling. I think they need a top 15 guy. I think I think they need a a true Someone who best can help player on a championship run. Yes. Um, so I'm saying Tari Eason because that's another asset that Lord knows they have just all the assets teams want in the world. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. Um, and I think if you have so many of those, which Tari Eason would be another, um, you could package those guys for a, a true top 15 guy. So we're going Tari Eason just for the sake of the trade machine. I like that. I like that. I had I had Eason in my lottery a little little later though. Um I in my redraft that you'll see online, I'll uh, share a spoiler here that I did go <coughs> Jay Nivey with this pick. They don't really have like a natural point guard, although it's not like Jay Nivey would come in and start, I don't think, but man, that second unit would be so they're already deep, but second unit out there with Ivy and Jordan Hawkins and Trey Murphy. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, I have the ninth pick, the San Antonio Spurs. Joel, I struggled over this one. And <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm not showing much creativity here. They picked Jeremy Sohan. I'm going with Jeremy Sohan. I still think it's going to work. Whoa, whoa, the whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening what? here? Huh. Ivy's still on the board, right? Well, okay, okay. <laughs> I I have to I have to back up because I was going off my column off your, that will come out tomorrow right, right. Yeah. when Ivy's already gone. But you're right. I'm really glad you reminded me of that because Ivy. I should have let you choice. do malpractice. I should have let you. Cook. I should have let you be the Troy Weaver of this podcast. <laughs> Ivy's the pick here. Get Wimby a point guard. That's what we yes. need. Yes, that's why I'm like, yo, Ivy's still on the board. What are you doing? Um, Wizards, good God. Who could the Wizards use um, here? You know what? Right, right, uh, Mr. Hitch himself. Um, I'm, now I'm picturing Johnny Day. Have you ever seen? No, I'm, I'm, I, I already know you haven't seen it before I asked. But by chance, have you seen the movie Will Smith did with uh, Kevin James called Hitch? Uh, no. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I just pictured a, a a movie poster with Johnny Davis's face over Will Smith. For who the who are the Wizards taking with the 10th pick, Joel? <laughs> Jalen Dern. Um, upside bet. Um, oh, great. The upside bet. Um, good rebounder, strong presence, um, a good dump down, a prime dump down uh, guy. And, and I think, like, Dan Gafford was their starting center before um and now they're like playing uh bagley now that they uh got him over from detroit so like dude jalen Duran is is better than than bagley i think with the 11th pick uh this was the next pick but they traded it to the thunder on draft night where the thunder select uzman jang guys i'm considering right now jeremy sohan and dyson daniels are very thundery um guys who can do a lot of different things with and, and they're both you know six eight um so i don't talk too much to be a thunder however you know those rebounding problems the thunder has everyone wants yeah. the thunder to get bigger i'm just gonna say you know what thunder fans i'll give you walker kessler here hmm that's interesting not to play next to chet all the time obviously i still want chet to be that 
that main guy. Kessler really messes up the Thunder spacing offensively. He's not an outside threat whatsoever. Um, yeah. But he would be like a matchup dependent lug- luxury play. Oh, I mean, if you if you have him over Jay Will, like that's outstanding value. Like if this is the backup big, I mean, yeah. I think Thunder fans are jumping for joy. All right, you the Thunder are on the clock again because at twelve they took <laughs> Jalen Williams. He is off the board as we know. So who are you selecting uh, for the Thunder? Um. Hmm. Well, I already picked. Hmm. This is interesting. Not like the year AJ Griffin had. Now I don't know why he's in a doghouse over there. Um, I haven't watched him closely enough. No, I'm gonna bank on. Um, damn! Wow, the Peyton Watson went thirty. That's insane. Did you already um, pick Tari Eason? I did pick Tari Eason. Sorry. Okay. Um, I, I'll go Christian Brown here just to get a. Uh, I think uh for the Thunder, good, good. I mean. Christian Brown is like one of those pluggable dudes almost anywhere. Good role player, good defender, high energy guy, um, good transition player. Like he, he really doesn't have a bad skill set and it's just super pluggable. Um, and you can always use more wing guys, right? Like it's not a it's not a guard. You could always use more wing guys. So I think the Thunder would, would be more than happy with Christian Brown. And he, he's a he's a such a thundery guy. He's high effort and all that. So I I like the pick. I would go Sohan or Daniels uh there though. No, no offense, Joel. All right. Um, real quick here. 13 Detroit Pistons. They got it. Got the pick from the Hornets. All I'm doing here is swapping big man. Big men. Actual pick was Jalen Duran. Um, I'm going to give uh, the Pistons the next best thing and go with Mark Williams, who actually did go to Charlotte. Mark Williams is good. I actually, for- I actually forgot about Mark Williams. Whose pick is this? All right. 14. The last pick that we're doing the Cavaliers. So they draft they drafted Ochai Agbaji and traded him to the Jazz in the in the marketing deal. Right. Um, so I don't really know how to do this one. Like, is this guy ultimately going to get traded to the Jazz? I don't know. But basically, who do you think is best available <laughs> here for the Cavs? Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, I like. Who who we miss? I, I'm not gonna put Dyson Daniels there. I, I, sorry to Dyson Daniels. I think he has good upside, but we just, just haven't just, seen enough. Just for some intel, the Cavs really did like Usman Jang on draft night, which forced the Thunder to trade up. That's great. Um, but I don't think they're going. My intel, my intel is not the same. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want Usman Jang here. I'll probably go Peyton Watson. Um, just off what he's looked like this season. Good again, good role player. If you're already a proven role player in year two, relatively proven role player in year two, on uh, no less the the reigning champs, I think there's something to say about you going late lottery. So um, I'm, I'm taking Peyton Watson. No shades to a body or Jang or whoever. Joel, thank you for indulging me on this 2022 redraft. Uh, everyone listening, thank you for doing that. We certainly appreciate it. Leave us a review, send us an email about how much you love or hate the show, and we will be back with you in a couple of days.